everybody, we back again. We're back. We're back. All right. I'm Spencer. And of course, we have our licensed clinical therapist, Nas. They're coming. They're coming, Bubbles. I want to go by. That's my new stage name, Bubbles. What stage? All the stages. And then you just. Bubbles. Oh, this conversation went nowhere as I thought it would. <laughs> All right. So if you don't know by now, this is the Different Spectrums podcast <laughs> where we talk about movie shows and the mental health aspects that surround them. We also like to have some laughs, so don't take us too seriously. Or do. That's up to you. There we go. Also, don't forget to run up those likes for us. We'd really appreciate it. So. Before we get into the movie today, uh, we have a special guest. Um, they are a faith and mental health ex- expert, as well as a social worker. Please welcome our guest, Dr. Shalise Brown, to the show. Hey, everybody. Oh. You want me to just like introduce myself? No, not yet. Not yet. We not will. Yet. We will. Okay. No, just, it's nice just, to have you on the show. Just stay right there in your corner. You know, stay just looking good. Just stay looking good in the corner. <laughs> I love a creepy voice when he says that. Um, don't worry. He says the same thing to me. I don't like it either. All right. Also so, true. Also true. We probably. It's true. It is. All right. So. No, today we are talking about Lilo and Stitch. Yes, uh, we have a few scenes, but some of the topics that we're going to be covering today, uh, we're going to be talking about grief. We're going to be talking about autistic burnout, uh, routines, meltdowns, uh, social workers and child care and also the myths or truths that come out with that. Mm-hmm. So. We have a lot of great things to talk about today. Nas, anything before we get into the show? Uh, well said. Uh, we got three quick scenes. That, well, two quick scenes, one longer one uh, with a social worker that we'll get into. Uh, excited to talk about this. Excited that we were all able to make it today. I know we're getting close to the holidays, right? It's Thanksgiving and all that. People can't wait to eat. I know that's me at least. Uh, <laughs> um, so I want to thank everyone for being here. Again, remember... Uh, if you're listening on Spotify, go ahead and, and check out the polls and the questions, right? They're curated just for every pod. So you can go ahead and fill it out. You can engage with us, kind of see what's going on, what others fill out as well. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, let's let's have some fun. Let's check this out. I know this is a big movie for a lot of folks, and they really identify with Stitch and just being outcasted, weird, and all that. But we're going to get to some other aspects, too. All right. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Oh, there it is. Oh, yeah. Man, why? It sounds better when she's saying now. <laughs> I know. <We're> like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold up, no. You're making it look bad now. It's not a little soft. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just sounds better. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> that was Muppet good. hand clap. What the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hey everyone i'm here to talk about our new collaborator toink toys they have a wide selection of you guessed it toys and other great collectibles 
They have products from Marvel, Star Wars, Harry Potter, and everything pop culture. You could say they put the toy in Toink. So go check them out at toink.com and use our code Different Spectrums Podcast to get 10% off your entire order today. is a fish. And today we are out of peanut butter. So I asked my sister what to give him and she said a tuna sandwich. I can't give Pudge tuna. Do you know what tuna is? Fish? It's fish! If I gave Pudge tuna, I'd be an abomination. I'm late because I had to go to the store and get peanut butter because all we have is, is stinking tuna! Lilo, Lilo, why is this so important? Pudge controls the weather. You're crazy. Please! Please! Everybody calm down! Girls, Lilo. I'm sorry! I'm sorry! I won't do it again! Maybe we should call your sister. No! I'll be good! I want to dance. I practiced. I just want to dance. I practiced. Ew, she bit me. Yeah. You are so finished when I get in there. Well, I've been so long on the street, we'll never, never look back and think of Oh, I'm gonna stuff you in the blender, push puree, then bake you into a pie and feed it to the social worker. And when he says, hmm, this is great, what's your secret? I'm gonna say, love and nurturing. Hi, uh, you must be the, uh... The stupid head. Oh, oh. Oh, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And if I'd known who you were, of course I never would have... Uh, I can pay for that. It's a rental. Are you the guardian in question? Yes, I'm Nani. Nice to meet you, Mr... Bubbles. Mr. Bubbles. That's a strange... Yes, I know. Are you going to invite me in, Nani? Uh, I thought we could sit out here and talk. I don't think so. Right. Uh, this way. Uh, wait here. 
Lemonade? Do you often leave your sister home alone? No, never. Oh! Well, except for just now. Uh, I had to run to the store to get some... Oh! You left the stove on while you were out. Chloe! Just a simmer. Mm, it's coming along great. Found that this morning. Lilo! There you are, honey face. This is Mr. Bubbles. Nice to meet you. Your knuckles say Cobra. Cobra Bubbles. You don't look like a social worker. I'm a special classification. Did you ever kill anyone? We're getting off the subject. Let's talk about you. Are you happy? I'm adjusted. I eat four food groups and up both ways before crossing the street and take long naps and get disciplined. Disciplined? Yeah, she disciplines me real good. Sometimes five times a day with bricks. Bricks? Uh-huh, in a pillowcase. Okay, that's enough sugar for you. Why don't you run along, you little cutie? <laughs> the other social workers just thought she was a scream. Thirsty? Let me illuminate to you the precarious situation in which you have found yourself. I am the one they call when things go wrong. And things have indeed gone wrong. Friends need to be punished. Call me next time you're left here alone. Yep. In case you're wondering, this did not go well. You have three days to change my mind. to be taken away? Answer me! No! No, you don't understand? No! No, what? No! <laughs> You're such a pain. So why do you sell me and buy a rabbit instead? At least a rabbit will behave better than you! Go ahead, then you'll be happy because it will be smarter than me too! Quieter! You'll like it, cause it's stinky like you! Out of your room! I'm already in my room! Hmm. 
That's us before. It was rainy and they went for a drive. What happened to yours? I hear you cry at night. Do you dream about them? I know that's why you wreck things and push me. Our family's little now, and we don't have many toys. But if you want, you could be part of it. You could be our baby, and we'd raise you to be good. Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. But if you want to leave, you can. I'll remember you, though. I remember everyone that leaves. It's a me, a Spencer, and I'm here to talk about our longtime collaborator, Cure Hydration. Cure is a premium hydrating electrolyte drink mix made with organic coconut water and pink Himalayan salt with no sugar added. It contains four times the electrolytes of leading sports drinks. My go-to flavor is grapefruit, but if you're not into that, you can go and get their variety pack with eight different flavors to sample. Go to curehydration.com or go to our link tree and use the code DSP20 to get 20% off your entire order today. All right. And we're back again. We're back. We're back and we're live. This is live as me blowing bubbles. That's all I can think of. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I'm sorry. Officially out of the closet, and here we go! Oh, wow, wow! All right, Doctor B, Doctor B. Oh my God! What's up, man? What's up? Hello. Um, could you please give us uh, just a little bit about you and how you came on, how you came to be on the pod? Um. So my name is Doctor B. Dr. Brown, I am a social worker. I've been in the field for eight years. I absolutely mm-hmm. love what I do. Um, I've had the opportunity to work with kids, with teens, adults with um, intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, I found my niche with trauma and being a clinician about two years ago. So that's why you see the slogan on my shirt says, Jesus cares about your trauma. Um, I am an advocate to bridge the gap between faith and mental health because there are way too many people 
in the Black church specifically, um, they're suffering for no reason because of the mental health stigma. So I am going to raise awareness until the day I die. And um, another thing that I've recently found a passion for last year is also helping church leaders understand how to handle neurodivergent uh, congregants because there's a stigma with that as well, especially within their children's ministries. Um, so yeah, that's what I do. How did I come on the pod? I think it was, you dropped a link in one of our Facebook group thingies and I'm like, yo, this is dope. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. Um, so I signed up. That's on me. Just creeping. <laughs> nah, he was promoting. Creeping and promoting, same thing. Like, to be honest. like, yeah, let me do that. So that's on here. Yep. As soon as we graduated, I just put plastered it all over the Facebook group. And then people started signing up, and I was like, I got you now. <laughs> I got you now. I got you now. That's right. He signed you up been, November 19th. Gotcha. You've been thirst trapped. <laughs> thirst trapped is so crazy. You know what that means? <laughs> <laughs> you sounded good. Bye. You think it's an actual trap? Like <laughs> mouse trap, thirst trap, same thing. All right, <laughs> all right. So, Doctor B, um, I'm just wondering. So you, so I'm assuming for most of your life you've had that religious religious following, um, right? And so, how did you get to become somebody who's in the mental health field since? You know, especially in the black community, since, like you said, it's a it's a tough route for people to actually go into therapy and things like that. I've actually experienced a lot of spiritual and religious abuse. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't realize it until 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, I've been in the field since 2016, but I was doing more case management because mm -hmm. at that time I was definitely brainwashed. And I thought, oh, my gosh, if you go to therapy, that means you don't trust God. So I didn't think I was going to be a therapist. Um, mm -hmm. That shifted very quickly. My first time having a therapist for myself was in 2020. And after that, um, I was like, yeah, this is I need to raise awareness about this because it's, it's crazy. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, feeling my own pain and other people around me and seeing how they were traumatized and just like depressed all the mm. time and yeah. even as clinicians like people experience depression but it doesn't mean they have a depressive personality right a lot of times people operate in that space when they're constantly triggered and that's what was happening to me and a few other people i know mm. um so that's how i got to that space okay. yeah. so it was one oh nice go ahead so, do you mind saying what what the uh, what, what religion it is or what the identity is? What what faith do you hold? Uh, Christianity. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Any certain denomination within that or no? Non-denomination, honestly, with a little Pentecostal twist. <laughs> with a little Pentecostal twist. Just, just, uh, I can hear the keyboard in the background. You, you know, like hit the you hear the B flat in the back. You hear it? <laughs> you hear it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes with the Lord. Don't make me get my tambourine because it's in my room. Don't make me do it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hey. Okay. 
Well, let me get the creed out now. Can you in those take churches before? <laughs> me higher? It's all high, man. It's intense. Um, yeah. Let me get you down, man. I'm like, y'all caught the Holy Ghost? I'm like, hey, are you having a seizure, dog? So I'm going to get this man some sugar. <laughs> some sugar. Just a little bit of sugar. That's what really. That's Okay, no, I seriously wanted to ask, obviously, what was the domination, what was going on? Um, but you said that you see a lot of this in the church. I feel like I've seen a lot of that as well. Do you think that you noticed it while you were in it that people were going through a lot of stuff, or did it was only until afterwards? Um, when I went, it was honestly 2020, so nobody, everybody was on Zoom. Nobody yeah. had the ability to go to church anyway. And I prayed and I said to the Lord, honestly, like, there's no way this is what serving you for the rest of my life looks like. There has to be another way. And that's just been my journey ever since. Um, And it's been liberating. It really has. You know, a lot of my clients are Christians. Um, I don't only serve Christian clients. It just happens to be that way. Yep. Um, but one of the things I realized is when the foundation of bad theology, it impacts how a person navigates through their life um, and how they navigate through their trauma, how they understand trauma. So they embody that as God hates me. That's why this happened to me. So it's it's very painful. It really is. Very uh, painful. That's that's tough what you just said. Yeah. Uh, yeah. God hates me, so this is why this happened. No, that's not that's not how it goes. Um, no. Um, the last thing, and I'm gonna kick it back to Spence. The therapist you had was a person of color, or was it a, a white-bodied individual? Black woman. Way to go. Black way to go. Way to go. I love how he's just like. And slowly put the fist down. <laughs> he just said, hmm. <laughs> Yep. Uh, same. I, I didn't I didn't have money for therapy. Uh, and my internship coordinator ended up providing a lot of the love and support. And it was all these black women in my graduate school that did all the therapizing. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know where the hell I would be without them because I was going through some shit. Um, and I don't think I would have listened to any other individuals other than folks or women of color. Um I don't think what happened. I need someone to be stern like my mom, but also very loving. Um, so I just wanted to ask because it's hard for a lot of us to go to white folk. It really is. It really, really, really is. Um, and that's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can find your pockets of folks who call it black, brown, indigenous. You can find it. Uh, queer, if that ends up being an identity, right? You can find those things. Go ahead, Spence. I guess my next question would just have to be... Um kind of staying on that same topic is um as someone who um has being a black woman how have you found it to be like a therapist or a social worker in the climate today like how's that been for you oh i love this question it's been hard as hell um so mm-hmm. the social work profession is actually at oh i want to say 83 it's between 83 to 85 percent white Mm. Um, and what I've found, especially in larger agencies, 
Um, they're capitalizing off of our pain. Hmm. And it's very painful to watch. And unfortunately, you know, being a Black woman in that space, I have to navigate, okay, I don't want to seem like the angry Black woman, mm. but I'll call you out every time. Right. And I'm going to hold you accountable. Mm. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm dedicated to the mental health field. I'm dedicated to the clients. I'm not dedicated to the agenda of the agency. Um, so that's always hard. It is hard because it's like, all right, well, technically this is my job. So I have to do what they want. But I had to get to a place where I understood my purpose um, and why I'm there and just take it from there, man. Um, mm -hmm. I've had some hard conversations with a few directors in the past few weeks and they didn't like it, but I had to do it. Yeah. And I actually want to stop here and, and encourage um, anybody who's neurodivergent specifically, advocate for yourself at work every time because I had to talk to human resources and ask them like, what resources do you have for neurodivergent employees? They couldn't answer me. They couldn't answer me. Um, so trying to raise awareness about that is also hard too, but it's necessary because if we don't talk, then nothing's going to get done. Yeah. And then you also, I kind of want to backtrack a little bit. So what could you please explain for like some of the listeners or anything like that? How are they kind of um, gaining anything from people's pain, especially those of the BIPOC community? Um, so when you're dealing with, I'm trying, I gotta be careful with my words. Do, with hey, do what you gotta yeah. do. I gotta, I gotta be very careful. Yeah. What I will yeah. say is this, um, what I'm seeing, a lot mm -hmm. of agencies are putting black faces mm -hmm. on their website, right? When the clients come in, they can't even connect with a therapist that looks like them. Okay. So it's clickbait. Right. I get the money with the insurance companies. It's kind of like how universities have the same thing with having people of color on their posters or brochures. And then all of a sudden it's like 80% white, if that, probably more. That's how it was at St. Mary's, dude. Yeah. Like it would be like me and other coworkers that I know. There were like three coworkers of color, like three in an entire school. And yet they were like all over everything. And like a few students of color all over everything. I'm like, this yeah. is not accurate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're right. It is a very white dominated, white woman dominated uh, yeah. field. Um, and there is a lot of folks, women of color now starting to join. There's a lot. If you looked at our cohort for our DSW program, it was a lot of black folk in there, a lot of black women. Um, and that, that was really exciting to see. I didn't really know how diverse our cohort was in our doctoral program until graduation. I was like, whoa, this is, I'm part of something really cool. Yeah. Um, so at the MSW, obviously not as much. At the doctorate level, I think that's astronomically jumping because it does show that black women are the highest achieving now, right, percentage-wise, um, which is really exciting. Hmm. Hopefully uh, Latinx, Latina folks can catch up and close some of that gap because we're such a large population, but so far behind in education. 
And that's a different story for a different day. Um, thanks, Spence, for asking those questions. There's some good ones. Uh, mm-hmm. And I appreciate you being careful, yes. too. Um, you didn't say yeah. anything being outside careful, the box. Being careful, but though. then also being honest as well. That's always appreciated. So. Yep. It's it's an interesting say, Spence. I've talked to you about some jobs that I went on, interviews, and I'm like, oh, this is this is a little cringe. I'm like, I ain't getting this job. This thing this ain't happening. Uh, and you gotta you don't know what what you would mirror. Like as someone that's neurodivergent, right, it's on the spectrum as me and ADHD. I like to talk some shit. Sometimes I say things way out of pocket, like I just did on this podcast, mm-hmm. and folks will just see that and they're like, oh, this dude's an idiot. But I don't show everyone my intelligence. In saying that, you know, you go to some of these interviews and you've got to be so uptight. Otherwise, he would just write you off so quickly. This last interview I just did, like, I was buttoned up. It was best toast finish. Best interview I've ever done. Best interview I've ever done. But I couldn't actually get anyone to budge personality-wise because it didn't get to throw in any weird, my weird out-of-pocket stuff. So that's how I gauge, if like, who you are and if you're safe. Um, like, no one would budge and it was terrifying. And I know yeah. I say out-of-pocket stuff because it's a protection thing. Because if I can make you laugh, then I know you're safe. If you just kind of sit there and you're like, judge me, okay, now I know you could be dangerous. Uh, now I know you may, you know, be thinking me in a negative way. So I know I got my own stuff and I project some things out there, but when you come from my pocket of urbanness and poverty, certain ways to protect yourself. Now you mix and be an ADHD, now you're getting on the fringes of like stupidity. And that could be dangerous. And I could end up being like uh, young Lilo and getting myself in trouble. And like, cause I was like her, I was doing some weird stuff. Like I might've been doing the voodoo thing too with the popsicle sticks. Like I was, I was, <laughs> hey man, I got kicked out of set. I got expelled from second grade. Yeah. <laughs> and they needed to be punished. Arts and crafts. <laughs> um, popsicle sticks and voodoo dolls. Nice. Well, jab. <laughs> hey, man, they had to lock me in the closet, bro. I was legit in the closet. <laughs> Not they locked up and let you out. Yeah, I was I was bad. My behavior was bad. ADHD was bad, but I was just trying to get attention, super depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and school was just super, super easy. And then after I got kicked out of second grade, they sent me to behavior modification school. And that is like a prison. So, you know, you figure out your behavior very quickly. Um, but I related to Lilo so much in this movie. Kind of yeah. single ma thing, you know, right? Even though it's just the sister. Dad's out of the picture, right? Because he, you know, was in the penitentiary. Ma's doing her thing. So I'm just wilding out. Mm. Kind of like she is. Just wilding out. Yeah. I related to this character a lot. Um, well, but I mean, and with that... Then let's get to the scenes, shall we? So, first, I actually kind of want to ask, uh, what made you want to pick this scene slash movie, uh, Doctor B? Um, it was a few months ago. I was watching it, and that was my first time watching Lilo and Stitch in about I want to say ten years. And I'm looking at it from a different lens, and I'm like, oh my God, like, Lilo, little stink that ain't was going through it. Right. And seeing just the struggle with her sister, and it's just like, wow, like, as social workers, we talk about the person and environment, right? So just seeing that, like, they were living in poverty, her sister is literally trying to make ends meet. It's like, do I go on this job interview or do I stay home with my little sister? 
two hard decisions. So when I looked at it, I just, my heart, honestly, it broke for the cartoon characters. And I was just like, wow, but it's real. This happens all the time. So, yeah. Even if it's not in poverty, you, even if it's not about poverty, sometimes you'll see it with like the big sister, big brother taking care of all the other kids, right? You'll see this tertiary, you know, third parent type of vibe happen. Um, and it's, it's a lot to take on. It's a lot to take on, right? When, when, and a lot of people don't know this, but, you know, Celine, you know, raised me, um, you know, also on the spectrum, uh, more, more needs, right? He needs higher, higher needs than, than me, obviously. And so that was the one that got me dressed, cooked me food, right? That no one would ever assume that ever today. Like if it wasn't for him, I'd be complete. There's no way I would have even got to school. Um, right. And so right, they have to play that parent role. And for a lot of folks, Liam's like fine doing it. Other folks, it burns them out. Tons of pressure, develop personality disorders, people pleasers, right? Tons of trauma. It just, it can really mess you up in relationships yeah. uh, if you're not careful. And a lot of us therapists and social workers, let's be honest, we all kind of fall under this where we're like needing to please people and need the validation and we have to be useful and we have to keep working and it's okay if people trauma dump on us. It's a whole thing. I'm sure with you also being in the church, not to put anything on you, but I know it's a whole nother level. Otherwise you're not like caring, not empathetic. You're not Christ-like. If you have too much happiness or joy, oh, now you're gluttonous. Um, And it's like, calm down. Like you can have, I've had clients say, well, I can't be too happy. Why not? Well, that's a sin. I'm like, come on now. Yeah, you know what I mean? And it's just like, I blame the pastor. I blame the pastor. I blame the bishop. I blame all of them. I blame all of them. Um, honestly, it's... That's that's one of the hardest things I had to learn, like navigating ministry and, um, and, the, and my career. And setting boundaries, a lot of people didn't understand. It's like, oh, you have to serve. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to serve myself by resting so I can be more effective. If I'm reflecting a life of Christ, that's what he did. He rested. He was chilling in the boat when they was all dripping. So that's that's how I've learned how to navigate and balance is setting firm boundaries. There you go. There you go. Uh, Spence, when's the last time you've seen this movie? in a minute bro it's i ain't gonna lie until until uh dr brown asked i'm like yeah i don't it's been 10 15 years i don't know if it's been that long but for me at least but you know it's it's definitely been a few years because okay. this wasn't one of those movies where like you know pop in like the dvd watch it over and over again this wasn't one of them mm-hmm. you know this is a little a little far Damn. ahead like a little bit ahead of that so yeah. um but yeah, so it's been a minute. But yeah, I could definitely see, especially when y'all were talking about um, that social worker aspect in the film as well. That has been a big part. So I think we should probably talk a little bit about that. Okay, mostly. so let me do my quick thing about scene one. Um, actually, Spence, you want to introduce what the hell the movie's about real quick? <laughs> sure. <laughs> No, that won't be hard at all. Um, (laughs) This alien who's like got out of prison, um, landed in in Hawaii, and uh, (laughs) 
is adopted by Lilo and her sister, uh, who are going through some hard times with, uh, you know, her sisters trying to find a job and have consistent income. And then her sister, her Lilo is just wilding out, you know, just biting people, um, (laughs) starting fights and things like that. Um, and then of course we have our great social worker, Mr. Bubbles in there. Um, all the while stitch is trying is like wanted and trying to be found by these alien police or whatever this federation of aliens so yeah you see lots how they to, to go in there you see how they do as mexicans man they do us wrong oh my god they do us wrong that's how they I'm do telling you, stitch is a mexican <laughs> Oh, he, that motherfucker Mexican. <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. He, he's so, how did he get to Hawaii? Hey, you Why know. No, but seriously. <laughs> not seriously. How did that? How did he get to Hawaii? You know, he, he was crash landed. It, it was like Christopher Columbus. Sometimes you get lost, and you are you is where you is. You is where hey. you is. <laughs> hey, you know what? Technically, he founded it. All right, he founded Hawaii. Let's. <laughs> Yeah, he colonialized. Those people were not. (laughs) Those people were there, but they didn't know they were there. All right, that's right. They didn't know. They didn't know. They They didn't didn't exist. Yeah, (laughs) they didn't name it. Technically, didn't found it. So, yep. All sarcasm people were making some (laughs) some jokes towards colonialization and white folk. Um, (laughs) Spaniards, same thing. Uh, Completely lost right now. Okay, Mexican joke. Oh. First thing, there it is. Yeah, I know. I just had to, I had to center around the Mexicanness within me to to do this pod. <laughs> All you hear is it is just. <laughs> My mom right now. My mom was down there dancing, boy. <laughs> hey. Sheldon, yeah. By the way, I just watched Blue Beetle. Not the best, but the ending was pretty solid. I'd love to see you know Mexican folk finally as superheroes. Want to do a pot on that? Um, the ending was pretty good. The the grandma, the family, George Lopez being stupid but yet techie. It broke a lot of different stereotypical like racist stuff, and I, I quite enjoyed that. Uh, the star of it, I didn't know, was the guy from the Cobra Kai. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's getting bigger. Yeah, he actually did. I thought I did okay in the movie. Um, back on track. Yeah. Land, land in the plane. Um, first scene was about, you know, her being ADHD as hell, a.k.a. just a normal kid, and running late. And why were they running late, right? And there was water everywhere. They were running late because they had to do a bunch of routines. Well, these routines were broken. They were supposed to eat this certain sandwich on this certain day because this is what we do on Thursdays. Okay, change, pivot. Okay, well, now how are we going to feed a tuna sandwich to the fish? Or to, like, that's an abomination, right? There's so many different weird things going on that the kiddo's head is going error, error, which is already deregulating. And when you're deregulated, you're probably not paying attention to time, not paying attention to details. Everything's just a hot-ass mess. So then you go to dance practice, people start acting, you know, a fool, making fun of you. Maybe you feel bad and ashamed, you know, and then she lashes out. She kind of has a spectrum meltdown, defends themselves like, hey, you ain't going to punk me. You ain't, you, ain't, you ain't punking me. And then she bites one of them. I'm not, I'm not saying that it was bad. 
I'm also not saying it was good. Not the best of choice, you know. Hey, ain't no one get stabbed. We're okay. Ain't no one get stabbed. <laughs> Did you get stabbed? No. Well, then you're okay. Hey, you're hey, right. you, you bleeding? I'm bleeding, you know. but you're breathing. Yeah, you, yeah, you ain't bleeding. Shut. I ain't gonna swear. Shut up. <laughs> For real, that's how Ma was. You ain't bleeding, is you? Ma, he'll beat the shit out of me, Ma. Damn. <laughs> Eternal bleeding. I don't know. Yeah, I might have. She had this diamond ring that my dad gave her. It poked some holes in you. Oh, yeah. Had a had a hook. Yikes. Ma's tough. All right, P. Ma. All right. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so this I thought was a really good scene for just autistic individuals or ADHD individuals being deregulated and just kind of acting a fool. And the next thing you know, everyone's looking at you like you're legitimately crazy. Like you don't know what the hell you're doing. You can't function in the society. You're weird. You need to go home. You need to sit in the corner. You need to be different from everyone else and isolated from everyone else. I related to that very harshly, very hardly, very magnificently, very tr tragically. Um, as I told you, I was kicked out of second grade, behavior mod school, acting up, getting in fights all the time. And getting in fights all the time was like me until like college. Uh, different reasons in college though. And it's sad. It was sad to see a lot of bits in the movie, specifically that one scene when everyone's just scared of you. And I remember the faces with people. They would look at me with like this disgust and after I went to behavior mod school, I went, my mom tried to enroll me back in this elementary I was kicked out of. And they said, hey, if he messes up once, he's out. He's got no options. He even speaks out one time in class, they're kicked out. I went to a different school, which was fine. I went to a different school after that. So now this is my third elementary. And I met some awesome people. I met some great friends. Um, they went to middle school and, you know, things kept moving and moving and moving. So I related to this thing. This is why I picked this one. Uh, just from the trauma that I went through in my life and the way that people would look at you. Uh, I think every once in a while when I would lose my temper as I was older and Spence seen it, you know, maybe my father loses his temper, you know, Spence has seen that too. Sometimes it's that, that look that people look at you with that fear and disgust. That is one of the most horrific looks. I remember one time, even when I was like, I'm legit an adult now doing therapy with folks and I was doing this, trip for students to go to. We were listening to these speakers and students were being nuisances and it was horrible. So disrespectful to the speaker that was up there, refugee from Afghanistan, and they all wanted to leave and it was so inappropriate. And, you know, I snapped and said, y'all gonna sit the fuck down. We don't listen to this awesome woman up here talk. Man, their kids was shaking in their boots. And I seen the look on one kid. I said, damn, I fucked up. Because I know that face. I did the right thing. I just, my voice got away from me and I got very frustrated. I don't, you know, you push my buttons. Uh, I would never do anything like that. Be so disrespectful, especially because they didn't understand what they were doing to the person that was up there, these privileged ass kids. Uh, I feel if they're listening, y'all yeah, knew you was privileged as hell. So, uh, all right. That was my two cents on that. Cece, did it, did it feel kind of spectrum me that, that thing to you or no? Definitely did. Definitely did. Um, especially when she was talking about the fish, the, the sandwich, and then feeding it to the fish and trying to get the instructor to understand. She's like, why, why aren't you getting it? Like, why aren't you in my world? Like, 
why aren't you tapping into what I'm saying? And then getting frustrated, but when she clapped Shorty on her jaw, one of her little friends, <laughs> she was over it. Like, she connected with that jawline. Um, but even in that short transition, you can see how not being understood can immediately send you there. And I feel like a lot of times it's hard for um, specifically people with autism and ADHD to express the need for connection. It's hard because we're trying to keep everything all together and trying to like, not trying to keep everything all together, but also learning how to be one with ourselves. So it's hard to have those conversations like, hey, this is what I need. Hey, I really want you to understand what I'm saying. But it's just like, you know what? If you don't understand, it is what it is. Leave me alone. I'm out. But the other girl, she just kept, she kept poking and poking and poking and poking. And she got clocked. I mean, she got what she, you know, she got what she needed to get. I mean, what can I say? Lilo's about that action. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> One they're down there laying on the floor bleeding. She's been on. <laughs> now what? Let's do got no... arm. Let's add that yeah. on there. Let's see that. Yeah. Your mama too. She can't even read. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How did he know? How did he know? Because I'm dating her. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> Just take uh... us into the next scene, Spence. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, next scene has to do with uh, Lilo and her sister Nani, and how uh, Lilo is just locking locked Nani out and won't let her back into the house. And then, of course, we have Mr. Bubbles, the social worker, um, who's there to check in on them and kind of go through um what's what you know what's about to happen um and so whole scene has to just do with um nani and the social worker but then also we have a mix of um lilo kind of not having a good way to express um what was happening um and so both of them are just frustrated for because lilo doesn't really understand what nani's trying to tell her or maybe she does and she's just you know just doesn't know how to express that which is fair because Lilo's a child. So, right. yeah, you can't. Really... <laughs> the child doesn't understand the nuances of what's happening here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they about to take you, then what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would have to say I also I I think I cling on to a little bit more of like this because um, I was having. <laughs> very bad attendance uh, for school because I didn't like school, did not like it at all. And so um, at one point, if I remember correctly, uh, they <laughs> sent over some social workers to see, um, you yep. know, what was happening. Um, like, why wasn't I, why didn't I like going to class? Why was I late all the time? Because um, A, didn't want to get up to go to the bus and get to school and then b my mom works and she's a single mom so 
would have to then she would have to drop me off and then she would have to be late for work and then that would just be a whole thing right and so i kind of i kind of uh relate back to this because it's i've had that of where it's like you know i've had social workers come in talk to and you know it's like i'm not really getting it i'm not getting like the whole grand scheme of things because i'm just like i just don't like school um and so yeah so that's where i kind of relate back to that but um let's get a little bit more insight on like the social work aspect of things right um We've talked about in the pre-show and a little bit here about how um, social workers were not seen as not seen as very good people, especially for those um, in the BIPOC community or anything like that, um, because they would be taken away um, from their families and then put into white homes by white people. Um, have you? Uh, I want to ask that it's more of like, how are you, how are you as social workers um, trying to combat that now? And what do you, what do you want to see in the future uh, for those who are social workers? Okay. Um, one of the things I want to see with future social workers, um, I really want them to trust their intuition every time. Of course, you need the education, you need theories, you need all of those things. Um, but one of the, the, and I think a lot of social workers that I've connected with, they said this, the same thing too. By the time we get in the field, we are full with information. But when you are sitting in front of that client, some of that stuff you're not really going to use all the time. You know what I mean? Or you're not going to use it in, you're not going to use it in the stages that we were taught, right? I think tapping into intuition, but also advocating even when it doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Because unfortunately, with social work, there's a lot of talk about diversity but it's not put into action. Um, so for the social workers that are coming up now, I think it's extremely important to really tap into the advocacy because the heart of social work is about advocacy and empowering our clients. But when we talk about advocating, especially within the BIPOC community, there's a lot of fear that students have because some of them are coming in and they don't have resources themselves. So they feel like they automatically have to conform to what's being taught to them. So yep. just standing firm on who they are um, and trusting their core, their core values and core beliefs going into the field. I like that. Core values, core beliefs. And then when you start thinking about, you know, the, it's gonna be these white women that are going into these you know, maybe lower economic status houses, Spence, like, you know, it's not going to look like your house. It's not going to be a 2,000 square foot house. It might be like a smaller house. It might be some dirt and stuff on the floor. It might smell like, you know, that the cultural food and all that. It's going to be different. And and folks need to know that. Um, 
there's a difference in like cleanliness, culture and smell, um, space uh, versus like this is a risk towards that child's cognitive and developmental like abilities. I mean, it's very different, Spence. Like, I've been in some houses where I'm like, oh shit, this is bad. And I've been in some houses where, and I'm like, okay, this is fine. This ain't the best, but like, kid gonna be fine. Um, specifically, I've got clients that are on the spectrum and they're wonderful people, man, but they're overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed. All, right, all their kids are on the spectrum too. They're taking care of some of them, are, are higher needs as well. And it's intense. And like people keep calling CPS and some of my clients back in the, well, not now, but in the day. And right, I'd have to talk to the social worker. I'm a social worker too, the therapist. I'm like, yeah, look, mom's good. Kids are good. People are calling and complaining. And then, but it's like, things are fine. You've been in the house. You said it's okay. I'm telling you that the mom is doing the best that she can with fucking literally no money, no support. I'm hooking her up with support. I'm hooking her up with like, uh, insurances and different things through the state and Medicaid. Like, we're getting it done. It's the states that's not helping. And so there is advocacy that needs to be done on, like, therapist side that aren't the uh, child protective services or adult protective services. There's advocacy that you can do to make sure that these kids are not taken. And, pause, the myth is that we would take kids. In the past, Spencer, that was very true, that it was a lot of folks that were taking these, you know, native children. There's documentaries, history on it black children and putting them into white homes. Um, and it was getting financially like motivated as well. Uh, nowadays, they're not going to take your kid in, unless they have to take your kid. They want the kid. It's The courts are all mandated. The kid needs to be with family members. Not in some random ass house. They need to be with family members or someone that's, you know, cousin, brother, sister, right? It needs to be grandma. It needs to be family members. Everywhere you go, it's pretty much the rule of thumb now. So that myth that we're taking your kids, not that true. If there's abuse, if there's malnourishment, uh, then, then extremely unhygienic where there's like rats and stuff. You read some horrible shit in the news, Spencer. Like there's kids getting eaten. My dad told me something in the news the other day. A kid had like fucking three of his fingers eaten off by a rat. Like legit, there's some horrible stuff that goes on in the world. Um, most of the time, kids staying in the house. But this scene also, you know, plays off of that fear. You know, but they use the black eye. I think it's real funny, though, right? They use the black eye, and it's like, for real? Okay, so the, repeat that. Yeah, so we're using the big black eye named Mr. Bubbles uh, that's, like, super intimidating, and he's the one that's going to steal your native kid. It's not historically, a, you know, but, you know, it, it, this 2002 Disney, it's a little bit different Disney. It's Disney before it was woke. <laughs> Uh, and so I think this is a good thing to point that out about social workers. Yes. Um, trust yourself, understand what is appropriate, what's not appropriate, what's livable, what's not livable. Um, cause we're not just taking kids. That's that you can mess a kid up by taking them. I was taken into foster care cause my, we're getting a little wild with some stuff and some people peeped it and you know, we were in the yard. It's probably good because she started acting a lot better after that. But I had to go into foster care for a minute, too. Um, this scene is, like, tragic, tragic, you know. But it's also funny as shit. You got these two siblings going at it, tooth and nail, yelling at each other. I'm, you know, in a, um, if it's my household, there's a lot of cussing. So there'd be so much cussing and throwing shit. I mean, I can't imagine me in that situation with my brother. And all the shit that we got into, 
Um, I bring this up because in these households of color, whether it's parents, mom, whatever, there is a little bit more of this thing that we call fit physical punishment. <laughs> you will get your ass kicked. So when she said, hey, you, and there's physical abuse, and the one kid said this with bricks, <laughs> I was like, Jesus, <laughs> that's a new one. That's one of them. That's from one of them island things there, boy. I don't know what the hell it ain't a Mexican thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bricks with a pillowcase. I'm like, Jesus, this sounds like some prison shit. Uh, you know, the locks or some change, sock. Uh, <laughs> what you need is a sock. Um, it made me think about that. The abuse that's in a lot of black and brown families. Uh, and supposedly to protect kids, to make sure that they don't get harmed. You can relate this all the way back down to uh, slavery, whether it's black folk or indigenous folks, Hispanic folks, Aztecans. It's to protect us from uh, white individuals. I'm a, I'm after hurt you so they don't kill you. And so that just goes and goes and goes and goes. It's a horrible fucking cycle that a lot of us went through. Um, and I hate it, but it courses through my body when folks don't pay attention. That violence, that Baba Yaga, that uh, chupacabra comes out of me, and I'm just like, oh, you about to get it. And I got to peel it back. I don't care who you are. If you're a little kid, you, I ain't going to say the rest. You're going to, you know, I'm a, it's going to be a field goal. <laughs> you're about to get punted. Yay, child abuse. Yeah, we do not control any abuse. We do not oh, control really? any of that. Yeah, <laughs> really? we don't, you know, I ain't getting no kids. I never took, I ain't never touched no kids. We need to just record the, the advisory thing in the beginning so you don't have to say this yep. anymore. We uh, don't condone any we, punting of children. We, we ain't gonna punt no kid, but I, I will mess one up. Hey, you know what? <laughs> um, but in serious fact, though, they're like, this is a thing. And I, Spence, I'm not going to have you push on it, but I'm sure that you've been around right families where this is a thing, physical, yeah. right? This is it's how we teach. Yeah. Uh, is that a thing like around your neighborhoods and or culture or within your family? Again, protect yourself. Oh, no, I was going to, I was kicking it to Spence and then Cece. Oh, yeah. Uh, definitely. More on my dad's side, um, okay. more than anything. Um, it, I mean, it only it happened like a few times, but you know, um, it would definitely happen to like some of my because I used to live in this um, like townhouses and stuff, and like there were a few families that some of them kids just get their ass whooped a lot. Yep. Like a lot, and you're like, Jesus, calm the fuck down a little bit. No, like, you have to use a fucking metal hanger. Jesus, like, I was like, whoa. Um, yeah. Most I got, especially for my mom, was like, you know, mouth like soap in my mouth, which I was like, that's fair. Probably deserve that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, it should um, work. FYI, <laughs> I was like dial soap not the best yeah. um <laughs> but yeah like some of them okay. just be it was like ridiculous what yeah. like especially for some of like the things i would do would be like the most minimal things and i and i get 
your point on that just like protection everything like that but then there are some people that it's not even for that it's more about like their own stuff that they're going through um yes and it's about like protecting their kids it's more about like you you feel like disrespected in a way and then they lash out on their kids um which you know it yeah like and i i get it, it is what it is but at the same time yeah it's it's not always the best solution um especially you know st- when you go to excessive excessive amounts like that yeah my dad would always tell a story about his dad w- would always use like hot wheel tracks that was his that was their thing that they would use so okay yeah plastic yeah. yellow orange just i know yeah the switches from like branches and stuff like that extension cords paint sticks Shit, I had a broom to the head a few times. That's what that, but that's a bump. That, that's where that one come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm joking. 86. They got me. You weren't even born yet. That's a messed up thing. Got you fucked up so <laughs> yeah. bad. You're like 86. <laughs> it was like the reset button. <laughs> Juan? My name is Juan. 97. <laughs> 45. Um, <laughs> 17. Oh, somebody hit him again. Same numbers. <laughs> Tahi. How you spell the Tahi? <laughs> That's an old joke. Sorry. Uh, Cece. So let's paint the picture of this is a neurodivergent family. Um, how would you maybe work with this type of family? Right, it's a sibling and a, a young, younger sibling, right? Child. Maybe it's a secondary parent. Maybe that's the mom and a child. Let's say this is a neurodivergent family on the spectrum, ADHD, behavior issues. How would one provide resources as a therapist or as a social worker to get them in the right path? That way this social, this caseworker pisses off, goes away, AK. Hey, everyone. I wanted to give a special shout out to our collaborator, Two Nerds Candle Company. Not only do they have great products, but they are also giving back to a great cause. You can tell that they take a lot of pride in making their candles, My favorite is Spock's Monday Coffee. They are also donating 10% annually to support Women in STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics. You can use our code DSP or go to our link tree to get 20% off your entire order. We think that this company is great, and we think you will too. So go check them out. Hey, are you a nerd? Do you like pins? If you're like any of our followers and you said yes, you should check out our collaboration with Pinfinity. They have Power Rangers pins, Transformers pins, and for all of our bronies out there, My Little Pony pins. Go check out our link tree or use our code DSP to get 20% off your Pinfinity order today. I have a very different approach when it comes to my neurodivergent clients. Um... Because a lot of times what I've found in the past few years, and also with myself too, when you get to that level of burnout, um, you need something, right? And it's more of an emotional need before it's a resource, right? Um, So I would ask the sister, what is it that you need right now? And just helping her navigate through that. Because another thing you have to add, not only is it a neurodivergent family, but they're experiencing grief and it was a sudden loss. Their parents, they were driving when it was raining and they passed away. Um, so navigating what for her, now she has to step into a parental role 
There's no, there's already, I mean, ain't no handbook for how to be a parent. Okay. So now she's forced into this role and trying to understand herself. Cause I don't, I don't think Nani is in her thirties. I mean, I think no. she's a teenager. Yeah. So when you look at it from that aspect, it's like a, a child is raising a child and she doesn't know how to communicate with Lilo because at the end of the day, she had to step into a role of being the provider and not a nurturer. So you'll see yeah. moments of Nani being a nurturer for Lilo, but it's not consistent. She, It's a cycle of I need to provide, I need to provide, I need to provide to make sure that Lilo has what she needs. So in her mind, Lilo having what she needs is roof over her head, food in the refrigerator, and clean clothes, right? Um, so I would ask Nani what she needs emotionally and then take it from there. Yeah. And with Lilo, Lilo also needs connection, obviously. That's why she decided to link up with Stitch, right? But they you see that dynamic with both of them. Or they both need that connection, but that I don't want to go on a tangent. Let me stay focused. Um but Lilo needs something too. And that's why when you notice she has the the picture underneath her pillow, she's longing for that connection with her parents. They both miss their parents. So when Nani wanted to give Stitch away, what was the first thing Lilo said? Ohana means family. Family means nobody gets left behind. Nani froze, right? So you see like they both miss their parents and it's just hard navigating through grief one of the things with grief yes there's five stages the stages aren't linear so it's really it's a tough it, it's it's a tough space it's not like an easy like yeah you do this you do this you do this you just have to understand their culture and take it from there and let them choose honestly but a lot of times i promise you i'm not trying to go on a tangent You're a lot fine. of times with social workers we want to go in and like yeah, I have the answer. And it's like, not always though, beloved. Not always. <laughs> like, we're not, we're not superheroes, right? Now, what I will say, social workers who are therapists, we do have a different view because we're looking at the systems True. and how every aspect of a person's life, how it affects them, right? So, so that's the difference. But yeah, you know, social workers, I mean, you know, take a deep breath, calm down. The, the client knows themselves better than you know them. Um, True. So that's why my approach is always asking questions first. I know. You said you go in like, hey, as you said, the social worker's going, I know all the answers. I, someone came on a Zoom call the other day. I said, you need something? And the kid said, <laughs> he was like, fuck you mean? You need, I said, yeah, I need something. That's why I'm on the Zoom call. <laughs> so why are you here? Can I, I said, can I help you? And they said, isn't that your job? I said, I'm done with you already, kid. It's been two minutes. <laughs> Not, but, and it's crazy because honestly, some of my clients, my number one answer, I'm like, all right, so what's on your therapy agenda for today? They're like, what? Yeah, now the clients that I've had for two years, now they, they bring it in because it's like, yes. I mean, I can tell you, but how is, how's that benefiting you? You want to get a return on your investment. You feel me? So you, you, you're the expert of your life. Yep. Pause. So for folks that are on the spectrum, right, or ADHD, highly recommend that you write some stuff down before you come into therapy. Write it down. Your attack strategy. 
what emotions you felt or didn't feel, what you thought you should have felt, trauma, irritations, meltdown, food intricacies, weird social shit that went on, write it down. Mm-hmm. You're going to run it through the entire list. I love how they, they'll go through one list with me. So you see them, they're like, okay, this will happen. And then they look at me. I'm like, keep reading. Keep, keep reading. I'm going to pick out the shit that we need to talk about. Keep reading. Then they'll get to three and they'll look at me. I'm, why do you keep looking at me? Is there more? There's two more. Well, keep reading. <laughs> because you might be talking about some shit that I don't care and that doesn't need to be therapized or all of it's got something to do with everything. Like all of it is in, intertwined. Um, so I just want to let folks that know on the spectrum come with an agenda. I'll find some stuff to talk about no matter what, even if you don't come to it with an agenda, because my ADHD ass will find some stuff. Um, all right, there's that. Uh, yes, grief. Uh, it is not only a young person, but you don't even have the time. Let's say they had money, or maybe there was a will left. Then, then you have some resources, some stuff. In this situation, that's not a thing. For most families of color, that's not a thing. For my family, that's not a thing. As Chris Rock said, ooh, what was that movie? He said, you know, well, white people die. Maybe it was from the stand-up. They leave, they leave a will. Black people die, they leave a bill. <laughs> that's a fact, unfortunately. It is. Uh, right? We had to pay for Ma's funeral and stuff um, out of pocket. So... Not only can you not grieve because now you're in like executive functioning mode. You got to handle shit, bury folks. Then you got to go back to work because you ain't got no money. Now you got to take care of sister. You never get to regulate. You never get to feel sad. And people of color never get to fucking feel anything other than anger because there's no sadness because that'll stop you from working. But anger will push you forward. Autistic folk, you can't really feel sadness. You can feel overwhelmed, but everyone's going to be like, suck it up. Mm-hmm. You got shit to do. We're like, this is overwhelming. Suck the shit up. I just released a bunch of awesome reels about autism from this heartbreak high this week. This will be about a month out. In the real world, people are going to be like, suck it up. But in that moment, and those friends like Spencer and I, right? He's like, hey, man, we're going to take a second. Hey, man, I got to go outside real quick. Oh, okay. But in the real world, doesn't care because it's not neuroaffirming. It, it, yeah. It's not autistic affirming. It's much more ableist. Uh, meaning folks that doesn't know what they mean. There's no resources. There's no support. If you're overwhelmed then, you know, and you're on your own, if you have dyslexia like me, you're on your own. If you, if you, you know, have issues with going into work on time, cause I hate, I can't get up. Like Spence said, I just can't get up. I'm 30 minutes late, but I'm also staying after like an hour anyway. So like, you know, it all works out and my numbers are really high. That's like back off if I'm 30 minutes late. So I look at this family as you're right, grieving. So how do you provide her support, but also this kid? This kid is autistic young little girl. How do you get on the floor and start talking shit with, with them and talking about, okay, you doing these little voodoo things. Hey, let's let's talk about it. Let's have some fun. You know, what are you trying to do to Tiffany? Uh, you know. You I try- mean, you know, I feel a little baby, but if I'm going to go, I might go up speaking in tongues. I don't know. That's just... <laughs> hey, you know, I go like, uh, Dave Chappelle, I, I rip your tongue out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I go say the rest of it. I might say rasta. <laughs> I go say the rest of it. Okay. Um, I would have some fun. I would talk about whatever they want to talk about: food, pizza, games, whatever it is. I would get on their level, lay down on the floor, and we're gonna talk it up. And I'm gonna be your friend, and we're gonna figure it out, and we're gonna do some affirming work. 
and you're going to tell me things. And by the time you even know the conversation is done, I will figure out some ways to help your sister and mom connect with you. That way the alliance is better. Same fucking team. Same team. Not different teams. But it's hard for folks that aren't autistic or aren't neurodivergent or don't really understand these intricacies and how both of them need to be soothed. It's not just the kid. I mean, my mom didn't need to just do better on her own. I needed some direct attention myself because I, I needed something. Something was missing, so what I was doing, I was fucking around doing it. I didn't tell you about me beating my teacher with a backpack. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't tell you. I didn't tell you that I was backpack, ran islands. Backpack, backpack. backpack. Yeah, okay. The Mexicans. Dora the Explorer. There you go. <laughs> yeah, Dora. I don't think Dora went that far. <laughs> hey, you know. I don't think. Well, it's backpack time. <laughs> no, but in all she wasn't in those woods. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question about that, um, go ahead. one of the, the, the best strategies I've found, especially engaging neurodivergent kids, Ask them if you're invited into their world, right? Because a lot of times people just bombard them with, you're not doing this right. You need to sit down. You need to stop talking. You need to stop rocking back and forth. I tell people all the time, whether it's a child, a teen, or an adult, give yourself space to stem. You need to. That helps you regulate. If you got to rock back and forth, if you got to twirl your hair, if you need a weighted blanket, me, one thing about me, even if I got a 15-minute break, you're going to find me in my robe. It just helps me regulate. <laughs> it just helps me regulate. I just I just love the texture of fuzzy things. But asking, I would ask you, love, hey, like, am I invited into your world? Like, do you want me here? Like, and when you ask them that question, it's automatically... They want you to play. They want to ask you questions. They, but you have to give them that autonomy, though. So that's extremely important. Spencer, I just talked about this with Colin's kid today, right? I I know they're going to be neuro spicy. It is what it is. Folks don't want to accept it. it. Is what it is. Both your parents are autistic. It is what it is. And so when that kid came into the garage today and they were like mentally melted, I see there's too many people too fast. So we had to slow slow roll it, slow roll it. Then she was good. Right? And I told my pops, we got back off. We got back off. Don't even, I said, avoid eye contact. Let her come to us. Because right? I did that the first time. Um, you're right. Consent, big thing. Uh, it's a big thing when you come into my office, too, because very welcoming and opening. And some kids, I said, I'll be like, yeah, so you ain't good with eye contact, this or that. And then they'll look at you because you, you talked about it, so then they'll force themselves. And just to let you know, I don't like it either, so you can look away if you want to. They're no good. One kid said, it's just creepy looking at you. I said, hey, you ugly too, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hunchback. Grow up. Yeah. Motherfucker <laughs> ain't got no teeth. Oh, I'm, you can't look at me, though. Okay. <laughs> Crack it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yo. I'm weak. I'm done. Uh, huh. I do not condone any name calling. <laughs> Here we go. There it is. Yes, we do. That's all you I don't condone it, asshole. Like, oh, okay. I don't condone it. I does it. I don't condone it, though. <laughs> don't be like me. Be better than me. <laughs> you know, it's fine. Yeah, be better. Be, you know, be Christ-like. You know, because you know, be Christ-like. 
you know, it, it's it's okay because you know I was born in sin because you know I was Mexican. Oh my god! Oh no! <laughs> no! Complete joke. Yeah, Spencer's done. Them glasses is off, bro. Yeah, them glasses. Oh, Spencer's like we're canceled. Uh, to be fair, Mexican folk don't be canceling folk like that. So <laughs> great. <laughs> we about to find out. I guess we will, won't we? <laughs> yeah. It's been nice knowing you, Dr. Brown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. Let's uh let's jump into this last scene and then have some fun okay. and let's get out. Yes. Uh last scene has to do we finally get to see Stitch. Um and uh, this has to do with more of Stitch just doesn't doesn't feel like he belongs anywhere doesn't have that sense of belonging he's the he's the duck who got lost and now he's trying to it was at the end of the the scene with the book jackass oh, don't give me that look you're right you're give right. me that stupid look like, <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> yeah okay i got you yeah, I'm the crazy one. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, so Stitch um is feeling like he's he doesn't belong anywhere. He doesn't really have a he doesn't have a family. Oh, That's right. I can do the voice too. Oh yeah, I, I got that joint down packed in second grade, okay? Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Go ahead again. Oh means family. Oh family means family. Yeah, had that. I have that inflection. <laughs> I hate both right. of you. I'm a boy. Yeah, you can't do it, can you? No. Try it. Just try it out. I had that. No. I mean, it was worth a try. You know what I mean? A for A E E for excellent. It's E for excellent. A I got. I got the sinus issues and I got conjunctivitis. Yeah, I, I got it, yeah, I got the no, I got the conjunctivitis and it's not good. I got defriculitis. Conjunctivitis and defriculitis. And then I got one of them reverse osmosis too. It's 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 not good. It's a, it's a reverse osmosis. A reverse. Oh, okay. Osmosis Jones? I don't, I don't get it. All right, there we go. That was massaging uh, the prostate there. <laughs> I tried to ignore it. Yep. <laughs> Didn't work. Um, <laughs> it's gone. It's it's gone. Um, so um <laughs> connection, longing for it. Um <laughs> we all want connection. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, fucking dude. Um, okay. Whew, there it is. Okay, we're good. And we're back. Hello, people. And we're back again. You know, we were abducted, you know, and now and, uh, we're back. Uh, uh, hello. There's nice people. There's good, there's good people on both sides. Both sides. Yeah. I'm done. Um, connection. So like Spencer was saying, the scene, uh, you know, she's going through it. It feels like he's getting ready to dip out. She's like, hey, you know, we don't leave nobody behind. This is this isn't what we do. This is supposed to be a family thing. You can feel that very sad grief. Um, in all seriousness, uh, to have someone taken from you. The word taken. Horrible. I had to go through that. 
uh, multiple times for multiple different reasons. Uh, I remember talking to my sister recently at a funeral, and she's like, wow, that sounds pretty traumatic. She yeah, it's not good. It's not good times. Uh, she said, you remember things like that? I said, for some reason, my brain remembers these horrific things. She's like, wow, I don't even remember stuff like that. So, yeah, it's good times. To have people taken from you is horrific. Um, and saying that, maybe it's even worse if they choose to leave because then you feel like you're the reason and you're the issue and they didn't want to love you. So maybe them being taken is better. No, no matter what, losing anything like that, close relationships, parents, siblings, best friends, animals, horrific. Uh, and it makes you not want to ever lose anything ever again. And it will make you want to push everyone away. Um, and it'll make you be a big dumb idiot like me and make a bunch of shallow connections, but never get too close, isolate. And then, you know, you end up meeting some weird people, right? And then, and then like Spence, and then you just be like, man, this fucking guy, he's maybe he's safe. Play basketball for a while, talk some more shit, go eat some pizza. Okay, maybe he's safe. Okay, now I'll take him around my brother. Okay, maybe he's safe. Then I take him around my dad. My dad's like, he a punk. I'm like, oh shit, he is safe. Then. <laughs> okay. That's now, right. I'm, that's right. <laughs> and I'm being serious. It's so hard to allow yourself to attach to anyone else after you've lost people. We've had some wonderful therapists and humans come onto the podcast and talk about the people they've lost. We've had some people, we've had a couple people cry on the podcast. Uh, the culture change guy talked about his grandfather. That was heartbreaking. He full on, it was bad. Uh, I really loved him for being that vulnerable. But that um, can mess you up. So I, I just wanted to state that. And I'm deeply sorry and much love to anyone that's going through deep loss or deep isolation. And then they just feel that they should never connect again because what's the point? It's too much, too much work. You're not alone in that. You can sit in that. I'm not going to shame you for that. You can sit in that as long as you need to, but know that you'll never have any good choice until you get to go get some of that friendship and connection again. But if you got to sit in it, I'm okay with it. For me, it's only how long do you stay? Uh, Cece, Doc, what are you thinking about? Yeah. What are you thinking about when you see this scene? You can go in any direction you want. So much going through my mind. Um, looking at it from a therapeutic aspect, but also personal too. Um, this year has been tough for me. Um, I've experienced a lot of transitions, a lot of grief. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been hard navigating that space, you know? And when I look at the scene with Lilo and like when he was walking towards the window, you can see the anxiety on her face. Like, I don't want you to go, but since you want to, then I guess, bye. But she's also torn between two worlds because it's like, here's somebody that she found connection with after losing her parents and she's watching him go. But then underneath her pillow, she's reminded that her parents are no longer here. And I think about a lot of times when people are at that intersection, whether it's with a physical death or just the death of a relationship, disappointments, expectations, all of those things. And it can really mess up your nervous system. Like you just feel out of whack. It's hard to 
it's hard to regulate. It's hard to stay present, right? It's easier to just get caught up in doing stuff to stay busy. Um, I know for me, and I'll, I'll self-disclose, no biggie. We're already this deep, huh? Um, I was talking to my therapist the other day, and I'm like, yo, it's it's hard to let people in that close again. It's tough. It's really, really tough. Um, I had a crazy experience um, with just, like, losing people that were very close to me. And it was a part of my routine. So when that was broken, it's like, uh, what am I going to do? Like, this is like, this doesn't feel good. Um, so just like navigating through that and learning how to be okay with my emotions. But like you said, not staying there. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make this a personality trait now. I'm going to acknowledge, but I also have to move forward. Um, so yeah, and even even with Stitch, I think at some point everybody probably identifies with Stitch, right? Of just like trying to fit in and you just can't. It's like a triangle trying to go into a circle. It's just like, oh, I think I found my tribe. And it's like, actually, you want me to conform to who you are. You don't want to understand my world. And it's not a sense of entitlement, but it's being neurodivergent and operating in a neurotypical world that's not designed for us to thrive, honestly, we're always going against the grain. Always. So it's a very, very interesting space. Tricky space. Tricky, tricky space. I, uh, you know, I, I think at this point in life, I'm I've got enough people. I've got plenty of people. And I think a lot of people want to, because I'm very loving, funny, and like people charismatic. And people would like, yeah, Spencer's like, fuck this guy. I know the real guy. He's not that good. Um, That's all a lie. Not that it's good. all a lie. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's like when the, you know, when the, the food looks good and then, and then you get it off the pan and it's all burnt on, on the bottom. <laughs> like, that's me. <laughs> I cooked all the way. I'm the burnt. <laughs> I'm the burnt. I'm the burnt. I'm like, damn, shit tastes like chalk. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, my mom's ADHD ass, RIP, also drunk as hell. Um, she just everything was burnt, just everything was burnt as hell all the time. So I grew up just eating burnt food. I thought burnt foods I was supposed to be. <laughs> I love burnt popcorn. It's my favorite. favorite all of it, rice, meats, all of it, all baked goods, bacon. It was always burnt. So like whenever pops burns it, he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man, I burnt it." I'm like, "Man, shit tastes good. It shit tastes normal." <laughs> <laughs> it tastes like home. Yeah, it tastes like trauma. Oh damn. Okay. <laughs> recipes, mom. <laughs> recipes. Recipes. All right, we got it. We got the bit. <laughs> um, I don't even know where I was going. No, of course he didn't. Cause you it got lost about, in the sauce. Didn't I you? got lost in that sauce, boy. I just the marinara. Mm. That burnt sauce. Oh damn. <laughs> it's good though. Burnt ants. It's good. How'd <laughs> uh, <laughs> you burn sauce? How'd that work? <laughs> you burn nah, sauce. Nah, it happens, mom. yo. People be out here burning Alfredo, bro. It's crazy. 
fucked up. Yeah, it's like, ooh, it's a little burnout mm. uh, Fredo. Yeah. Burnout Fredo is wild. It's the last time. Ain't got no audacity to put a mad pretty on top of the pan. Hey, what you doing, bro? I'm not in it. Yeah, yeah. It never went right. back to that person's house ever again. Nope. Ever. Nope. You want no water, please? Yeah, it's about to burn tomato sauce. That's uh, yeah. that's a whole level you need. Yeah, need Dr. Brown was Dr. Brown was about to be married, and then they said, "No, nah, you burned the last sauce in my house." <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that? You talking I about yourself? Bubble, <laughs> yep. uh-uh. I prayed over this food, and then and then and, 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 and I, you know, it spoke to me, <laughs> <laughs> and it said burnt. <laughs> it said acid reflux. <laughs> Why does it hurt so much? Um, this is what it was. Uh, I've got a certain amount of people, and people tried to get into my life now. Good people, good people. But I got enough. And I can only text so many people now. Like, I, you know, I got like three people I text, if that. You know, I got one person that I text here and there with some memes, but it's like, it's Spencer, it's Colin, it's Moses. And then I got like three group chats, and like, I'm, d- I'm done. And those group chats I check once every two weeks. Uh, I just don't have the capacity for it and I get burned out and tired. So I just, I just got a few people. That's it. You know, this is going to sound weird, but I probably got five people that legitimately love outside of my father and brother, like legitimately love tops. Everyone else like you're cool. You're cool. But like, you know, something happens. Not really sad. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna mention something for real. Just, you know, I really try to hold that one. Yeah, just... you know, something happens. You know, like you served your purpose. It's fine. Yeah, bye. See you later. <laughs> See you never. All right, yeah. Cool. God wanted you out of my life. Uh, <laughs> not dead. Just out of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not dead. You're just not here. You're <laughs> just not here, but probably also dead. Uh, <laughs> I'm done. All sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> I love having fun uh, on these podcasts, Dr. Brown. You have no idea. Um, and I think that's fine. And why am I saying this? For all the neurodivergent folks out there, folks that maybe you only need one or two friends, maybe you only need one, maybe that's all you need. You don't need to have this huge community. Not everyone needs that. A lot of people do. I don't. I don't really think Spence needs a ton of that. I can't speak for Dr. Brown. But we I don't. Usually... I don't. Couple solid people, a couple family members, and yeah, I'm pretty good. Um, yeah. I wanted to say that for folks out there grieving. Uh, and then I wanted to do a nerd reference with Spence as I wrap up. And I was talking to some students uh, recently, and you know, we was in group therapy, and I said, you know, there's a difference, you know, between the pain that you're in and suffering. I said, any of y'all watch Star Wars? And he said, you know, I said, no, do, do none of y'all watch Star Wars. That's why y'all depressed. Yeah. That's why y'all, that's why you depressed. I don't even like you. <laughs> but right, I'm thinking of yeah, like the. There you go. It's the worst. It's the worst. Terrible. The worst. It's terrible. Is that a? It's a dark saber. It's a. Yeah, <laughs> I'm it's like. A, uh... That's right. Something. <laughs> Something some else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, what's we, sex positive? Always with the fa- he always gets the head palm. Just sex positive. Sex positive. 
Uh, <laughs> All Star Wars fans, grab your dark sabers. We're about to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> we about to have. Hey, this is a different type of Star Wars. I must have went into the wrong chat room. It's <laughs> 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 the wrong. Cinemax, uh, how did that get on there? I thought it was on HBO. What, what why y'all? Why y'all look funny? <laughs> Uh, I ain't got no clothes on. Why is it dangling? I don't get that. <laughs> um, but like for real, they for were, real. For real, Yoda was like, "Hey, man, what, what are we doing?" Um, there's yeah. a lot of pain in there, and also this pain, this anger leads to suffering. And a lot of folks will choose to sit in suffering for eons, and, he, and even with your therapist. And I'm like, "Hey, man, I'm gonna have to push you." And if, if you're not going to do it with me, then what are we doing on my caseload? You're wasting money. I could be saving someone else's life. Like, what are we doing? I, yeah, I see you pointing, and that's a big thing. I was talking to students, and I said, you know, emotions last for four seconds in the brain. It's us that keep hitting the button, hitting the button, hitting the button, hitting the button. And I know our artistic brains, ours, we loop. We loop, and we're obsessive, and we're OCD, and I get it. We get fixated, and we loop. And we can sit in that suffering for so long. You don't have to. There's things that you can do to regulate, to refocus, to recenter, to change the way you think, to change some of your core beliefs, to meet new people, to find... There's things that you can do to get out of suffering. Maybe you're adding things. Maybe you're taking things away. Whatever. But that's why I always like to go back to Star Wars, right? And and, and Vader. All that suffering. And then he finally get, lets go and has love and joy right before he dies. That's it. That's all you had. You you had pretty much suffering your entire childhood because you were a Jedi. So we're getting real nerdy now. And you did nothing but murder and then have pain because you can never get connected. You finally find a wife. She dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pretty much because of you. And now you have to live with that. And it's nothing but suffering his entire life. And he has one moment of joy with his son. Also, to mix in with that, his mom was murdered by, you know, sand people so you know he had to witness that and then he started murdering 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 even more and then yeah he finds his wife padme and then more suffering he had a, a moment of joy moment mm-hmm. yeah uh, for a lot of folks it's tough for a lot of folks of color it's tough uh born in trauma whether it be small t big t it's tough uh obviously the folks in this movie and some big t's big traumas small traumas uh no wonder why they're not getting along, like you said, Dr. Brown. Um, so those of you that are going through it, uh, my heart is with you. Hopefully this podcast brings you some joy. I think me and Spence had a meeting last week where we said we're going to stick to the humor for sure. Um, and so we're, we're sticking to the humor. We're going to teach you. And if you get offended by some of the things you overheard, I am deeply sorry if you're offended by some of the things. But we are here to bring joy into this podcast with also a clinical background. If you want just, just therapizing, you can find it somewhere else. But we're trying to bring in joy and light and love and laughter. Uh, and Dr. Brown, I really appreciate you coming to this. I'm glad we got to meet you. I, the first time I got to see your personality, other than just the wonderful photos and the degree, I seen the resume. The resume is good. The resume is good. <laughs> it's good. It re- it's real good. Um, but it's nice to finally meet you. And to yeah. see you smile. Nice to meet you too. Uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> 
I'm a blessing. I'm a blessing. <laughs> I'm, I'm the best person that'll be in your life. <laughs> I'm the best. You don't need no one else. No, you don't need no one else. <laughs> All you need is Dr. Nas. <laughs> that little Jesus. That little bit Jesus. Dr. Nas. <laughs> Just a little, little bit. Little bit. Little Dr. Nas, you are. You a little Jesus. <laughs> No, 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 hold on. 98% water. Dr. Nas, 2% Jesus. <laughs> I am weak. I'm about to get struck down right after this. <laughs> How did lightning get through the ceiling? Damn. Did... Reverse it. <laughs> Jesus didn't fix my ceiling right. <laughs> no, he's at the Home Depot. He didn't do the carpentering <laughs> long enough. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, uh, <laughs> Doctor Brown, you got any seasoning you putting on this on this uh, ribeye? Thank <laughs> you. Not even. I mean, I don't even know what else to say at this point. What to say? What, what, what y'all will be sprinkling? Oh, actually, no. Crap. I just want to encourage, um, especially, you know, going into the holidays and feeling obligated to be around family members when you know damn well you're overstimulated walk away it's okay to walk away um because then you know going against cultural beliefs all that whatever but you have to honor your body honor your nervous system and honor your beliefs um and honor your boundaries because it's extremely important um don't let anybody bully you into a conversation don't let anybody bully you into making certain decisions um take the time to explore who you are and be you man be you other people want to call you weird okay then be weird unapologetically it's okay <laughs> it is oh it is okay so that's my that's my little thing all right Awesome. Uh, can you give out some of your plugs, socials, anything like that that you want to, you know, let the people know where they can find you? So my website is my first name, my last name, shalisebrown.com. Um, LinkedIn, because I feel like LinkedIn is like the new IG right now. So I'm just in my LinkedIn. Dr. Shalise Atavia Brown. Um, I have a Facebook page, Dr. Shalise Atavia Brown. Instagram, Dr. Shalise Brown. And TikTok, Dr. Okay. Shalise Brown. Nice. nice. Yeah. And then we will be definitely uh, putting any type of socials or anything like that out. Um, what does that mean? What? In the descriptions. It'll be everywhere in, in the, the descriptions. Description. And yes. We'll be having you in the description. You could have just said that. <laughs> All right. It's in the doubt. It's, it's, in, the it's in the underneath. Below in the comments. I got the burns. <laughs> Oh my god, it's itchy. All right, so um thank you for joining us. Uh Dr. Brown. Um Doc Brown. Good old Doc Brown. Marty. Yeah. Uh, good times. One point point chicken walks. Yes, get it out. Doc, are you telling me it's 845? Damn, I'm late for school. All right, it's over. All right, thank you so much, Dr. Brown, for coming on to the show. We really appreciate it, and we would definitely like to have you back if you would like to come back also. Yeah. No pressure. Definitely going to spend the block, for sure. Awesome. There you go. She confirmed it. Can't go back on it. it now. Yep. Yep.
Right. Can't go back on it. There you go. Oh, I will sue you. <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers are ready. Oh, cool. It's literally just we'll send you a page with crayon on it. Just like we're suing you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> she signed it. So um thank you so much for coming on. Um before we get out of here, shout out to all of our collaborators uh for the pod. Um we like to start with Bub's Naturals, Secure Hydration, Pinfinity, Silver Dollar Candle, Two Nerds Candle Company, Cat and Raven Company, and then also our new one, Toink Toys. All great, all part of the show. You can get up to 20% off if you use the code DSP or DSP20. Um, or if you can go to our link tree and or the description down below. Yep, where he's pointing, down below. So go check it out. Uh, we have some great people, great different uh, collaborators that we are that we're with. Um, so go check them out and get some get some get some discounts before the holiday seasons. For real, right? Do it and then give us money. With that, I'm Spencer. That's Nas. This is a different Spectrum's podcast. All right, everyone. Much love and remember, take care of yourselves. Or don't. That's completely up to you. Peace. The Rock says. The Rock says. Dun, 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 dun. Peace.